You've found a show that will explore how to experience a kingdom lifestyle that is both focused and balanced. Welcome to Live Exceptionally. In a world where we are constantly bombarded with demands on our time and attention, it can be difficult to find the space to truly live our best lives. But what if we could find a way to live exceptionally with a sense of purpose, freedom, and rest? Whether you're a busy professional, a stay-at-home parent, or anyone who wants to live a more focused and balanced life, this show is for you. Join us as we discover how to live exceptionally, finding freedom and rest along the way. Now, let's get into this week's episode of Live Exceptionally with Dr. Yvonne Thompson. Welcome back to Live Exceptionally, where we equip people with tools and keys to experience a kingdom lifestyle that is purposeful, focused, and balanced. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, and share with others on YouTube or your preferred podcast platform. Stay connected with us at elisi.org to receive a free 30-day e-devotional and also learn about events, inspirational media, and more. I'm so excited about my topic today, Issues of the Heart, Inner Healing with Pastor Candy Heyman of Georgia. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and your ministry, your inner healing ministry focus? Sure. Uh, I'm married to my college sweetheart. We met in Bible college and we've been married for 46 years and we've been in ministry together since the day we met almost. Um, he is like my best friend and my cheerleader. And so we do a lot of things together, but we are pastors of LifeGate International Church in Snellville, Georgia, out, right outside Atlanta. And we love, we've been, he's been a pastor since he was a young man and I've been ordained for quite a few years now, but, um, we've loved being pastors, but we also love to teach people how to hear God. We love to teach and train people how to get set free, um, to get their hearts healed and become whole, which is God's intended purpose. We know that from Jesus' mission in Isaiah 61 and Luke 4, that he came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to set the captive free, um, let blind eyes see. And so we love to do that. So we're a church that the foundation of who we are was burst out of inner healing by word of mouth, people coming to our house and calling us up and say, can you help me? And it's foundational to who we are because healing our hearts, becoming whole, tearing down the work of the enemy so that we can see God rightly, understand who he is and see how he sees us. That has made all the difference in our church family. It's a healthier church, I think, because this is our foundational work. Um, so that's who we are. We both have degrees. I have a master's and a, a BA, bachelor's in Bible and ministry. And so we study, but we also experience God. And so it's the word and spirit working together. Yeah. I mean, in my time of knowing you, um, you and Dwight, um, your focus on word and spirit, I think, has been dynamic, and particularly as it relates to inner healing. Uh, certainly one of the things I've appreciated about you is your soothing personality, your soothing uh -huh. 
misdemeanor within itself uh, with people who might be facing any type of trauma or stress or anxiety, um, just the way you talk to people, I think oh. helps and helps with the process of people opening up to you and sharing uh, any type of burdens that they have uh, that you, you Oh, thank you. That that means so much to me because sometimes you, you, you want to know that you're still having a soft heart toward people at all times because God God's heart was soft toward me. Yes, you, you carry that. Um, but what I wanted to ask you, uh, digging in a little bit into inner healing, what would you say are some of the lies or the skewed truths that we tell our heart whether this is things that we tell our heart or things other people tell us, uh, what are the lies that we, we tell our heart? The lies that other people tell, tell us, um, I, I would say if they don't align with God, we know that they are not ours to receive. And so they have to be dealt with. But I think the harder lies are the unconscious lies that are planted in our uh, us rooted in us in childhood and those are harder to discover at times because they sound like our own voice and they feel like our own feelings that's how they come to us um, through our emotions and our thoughts and we think that this is truly who we are and so oftentimes it it is a work that requires help to uncover what is the real lie. So how we find out what those lies are. Say, I would say um, the most the most basic lie, I think that all people, almost everybody has in their core is I am unworthy in some way. For some, it will be very big and some it will be a smaller version of it. But somewhere, that was rooted and i believe that's the work of satan if he can separate us from our um, god-given identity he's already got part of the battle won. and when we believe that we empower that life now that i am unworthy sometimes is known a narcissist if you've known a true narcissist which i have met a couple or more they appear to be so confident they have all the power they are they they know all of the answers but their core um issue in their heart is that they are insecure insecurity is the fruit of i am not worthy um i am not worthy comes it comes like i'm not smart enough i'm not good enough or I'm not enough at all. But it also comes with the what goes to the other spectrum is I am enough. That's the narcissism that comes out of us or the self-centeredness. I'm enough. We'll never be enough because only in Jesus do we become worthy. But the enemy uses that. So what, what we look for for the lies... Connected to I am unworthy. We're looking for fruit in behavior and thought, mindsets, emotions, reactions to life. And that shows up for someone who is very performance driven. 
well, why are you performance driven? Why do you think you have to be the best or do be good all the time? Because you don't feel worthy. Why do you, why are you easily offended? Because you don't feel worthy. Um, why, why do you believe no one loves me? See, the lie takes other forms of lies, but it all goes back to this base lie. I, I'm unworthy. And so no one loves me. I'm not good enough. And then I'm alone. I'm a victim. Um, I'm afraid to be known and seen and heard. I, 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 I'm an introvert. I hide, you know, I, I, that's one thing I think that we all have different personalities, but they aren't to limit us. They are to strengthen us. And so introversion cannot be an excuse for hiding. Why are we hiding? Then we turn it to God, the lies that God, God will never forgive me for what I've done. I, God isn't good. If he were good, he would, he wouldn't let war happen. He wouldn't have let me be abused. He wouldn't have let me be in the car wreck. We're looking at him like some Santa Claus that is our protector and gives us everything we want. He doesn't care. He doesn't love me. He doesn't protect me. He needs to fix all my problems. So we get mixed up in our theology and understanding of who God really is because he is good. And that's the base of truth. He is good. So these lies, oh, if I feel it, it must be true. Hmm. Feelings are not always true. So these are the kinds of things that come up when we start talking to people. Everybody has a story. Some, they shout it. And some, they hide it. But any story, and everybody's story has pain in it of some sort. Yeah. And when we begin talking and hearing stories, it's going to come out of your life in some way. And it comes out in the way we react, the way we feel, the way we think, what we think about God, what we think about ourselves. Fear enters in. There's just, Satan just has all kinds of ways to destroy us and separate us from God. But Jesus has a better way. Right. Then you shared a, a lot there. I wanted to unpack a few of the points that you shared. Uh, one thing that you said that jumps out at me is that sometimes we will see people um, like you use the word narcissism or the person who is performance driven or the person who is introverted. And while these might be, I mean, aside from introvert and performance, those can have positive spins to it. Like a person is productive. A person is, yes. that's, that's just the way they're made up. But when it is now skewed, where it's impacting the way that they see themselves, that's when it becomes a, a harmful type of thinking or attitude in regards to how they approach life. And in that regard, it impacts the way we see ourselves. And then right. I think sometimes the negative perception can then start being deflected where people start interpreting it negatively as well about that person. So the person who's performance driven, it's positive, but then when it becomes like too much or overindulgence of focus on performance, 
then other people perceives that oh, that person, you know, doesn't is not empathetic. They're not sympathetic. You know, they're hard. You know, so it's like all of these things potentially can have a negative spin, not just with ourselves, but even in terms of how people perceive us. Exactly. I often tell people that our gifts, our spiritual gifts and our natural talents are our greatest strength, but they are also our greatest weakness. And any place where we are living out of something like performance orientation, we do produce a lot. But it is in our own strength unless we have given it over to the Lord and asked him to heal and free us. So then it becomes his gift and the work is given unto him, not in word, but in our whole being, through our whole being. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. And then when you talk about a person who the lie or the skewed truth that we a person might have in terms of I'm not worthy and how it has a domino effect in all these other areas and how they see themselves and then how they approach life. They're approaching life and how they do life from that one perception, I'm unworthy. How do you think that that impacts how we see, how we view our, our view of God and how he sees us? Well, one thing we do often with people is we will ask them a question to deal with this issue is how do you see God? Think of God, just take a minute and think of God and what comes to mind. And so um, there was a time we were teaching in our home and a missionary was in our training session and he said, so we asked for volunteers and he said, I see God on his throne in heaven. He's majestic and powerful. And while that is true, what it told us is that he was far away and that he couldn't draw near and close to a God who loves him like a father. And knowing this man, his he had some issues growing up with his, his earthly father. And so those kind of thoughts we have to tear down because we actually will project them onto other people and we will perceive other people in ways that don't represent who they are. And God has asked us to look at people with his eyes and with his heart because he wants us to know ourselves the way he sees us and the way he sees our heart. And a good example of that is David. Even David with all of the problems that he had, a sinner, an adulterer, a murderer, God said, he's a man after my own heart. And God looks at the heart. That is what he's looking at. And when we are honest before him with our hearts, then he heals us and we will not go around projecting onto people because that's basically what we're doing. We're projecting a perceived perceiving out of our own wound, our own misunderstanding. That's awesome. You know, when you talk about the projecting, I think that we do a lot. It ties, I mean, we don't have time to go into this now, but judging, forgiveness, like all of these things that you're talking about, they're connected. Absolutely. Starting from just our view of self and our identity. 
And so when you talk a bit about our negative perception, beginning from I'm unworthy, I mean, that is just a whole, you could probably write a manual on this about that whole concept. I'm unworthy. Right, right. affects our identity, how we approach life. Talk a, a bit more about how does that viewpoint impact how we live and do life? When we are basing our um, worth on how we feel and how we perceive others' um, idea of who we are, we are not walking in the truth of who God is. We are actually in agreement with Satan. And so the things of Satan's world, as Jesus talks about, fear. We may be more fearful. Um, we're going to be too sensitive at times. We're going to get hurt easily. We're going to lash out at people at times. Um, we are going to absolutely judge people because judgment protects us. As we're, when we're children, God uses he allows us to judge and say, this is not safe. This is not safe because it protects our little childhood heart and our understanding. But as adults, when we continue to carry that same um, pattern of thought and behavior, it grows and grows. It's like a seed. We reap judgment. We sow judgment, we reap judgment. And so it's gonna, the very things that bother us when we put onto other people, we're gonna receive from other people. We're going to attract it from other people. And instead of attracting healthy, whole relationships, we're going to be attracting broken relationships. And there is always a sense of who's in control in this, in the relational aspect of our lives. So it's so important. I can tell I've walked in this so long when someone is upset with me and they're projecting on me, I see it immediately. I have no doubt my response though, because I have walked through my own issues is to say, I understand how you feel and let me tell you what is true. Let's talk about what's true. Because when your perception is such, you are bringing it back upon yourself. And so you are, you are putting your own self back in prison. And that's not God's heart. That's not his plan at all. I think it's important that when we have those type of situations that we take a, a step back. And yes. a lot of times we'll focus more on the other person, focus more on what they did to us without taking a step back to say, well, how did I participate in this? Yes. What was I thinking? How did I influence or impact the situation? Because when we first respond to point the finger or first respond to attack the person, 99.9% .9 of the time, there's something that we've also contributed to that. And so in terms of keeping offense at bay, the importance of recognizing that it takes two to bring yes. offense. Yeah. Did I, maybe I did offend that person, but, or maybe that person was offended and I didn't intend to offend them, but was there something in my tone? Was there something that I insinuated? Was even what I shared or did 
was the motive clean? You know, so I think sometimes we really need to pay attention to our part and our responsibility because there's always two sides of the same coin. And when we have a tendency to always point the finger, then potentially there's some things in us individually that we need to work on why it's like there's this consistent pattern of things happening like offense or judgment yes other people and i think that's the key is um looking at your own heart when we when we counsel with people a lot of times people want us to fix their spouse will you work with my spouse will you work with my teenager and I tell people up front, I can't help you with them. I can only help you with your heart. Mm. I, we will walk through. Now, I can, we can both pray together. I can give you some godly counsel on working as a wife uh, in your marriage or as a husband. You know, my husband can step in. As a parent, I can help you with wisdom and godly counsel but i i have to deal with what is in your heart first because it's not our job to change somebody else god is always looking at our hearts so you're right the first thing is how am i react am i reacting or am i responding that will be a key it will be a sign to whether i am in alignment with god or I am stepping out and getting a little bit of uh, myself involved, you know? Um, so my heart is the issue. I, I have a quick story. A few years ago, uh, we inherited Dwight's sister's little Tori Yorkie, and she acted out. She was a bit neurotic, <laughs> and she acted out, and I was her alpha. And I came home from a trip with Dwight and the guy who kept her for said, she had no accident. She always went to her papers. Well, when I got home, she went everywhere and I was so angry. So I'm scrubbing the floor and I'm saying, I forgive Gracie. I repent of my judgments toward her. <laughs> and my, I was telling my friend, she said, it's a dog. I said, it's my heart. My heart was hardened. And I was judging this little dog who was just insecure and neurotic, but I knew it was my heart. And then that's a funny example that take it to the next level of relationships in our lives. I'm responsible with God before God to keep my heart pure toward others. And I can only do that with him. Amen. That is so powerful. I think we, Miss Est, we underestimate the focus of keeping our heart clean. And when you, and I, I think if you look, you know, statistically of like how many people leave churches, friendships that are no longer divorces, it all starts from some type of misunderstanding, misinterpretation, offense that was not dealt with. And again, pointing the finger or looking at others. And not even just coming to the table to say, let's talk about it. Let's discuss it. And even in discussing it, there being an openness to hear and receive what the other person is saying. That even if I misunderstood or misinterpret and maybe didn't get it right of how that situation or what was said went down. But when the other person or vice versa doesn't chooses not to listen, then an opportunity is missed 
for there to be reconciliation or, or healing. So tell me, how do you think we can be free from these type of lies? Well, you know, Jesus said he came to destroy the works of the enemy. And so we have to allow him to dismantle the lies. And I, I have uh, three little words that pack a punch um, that might help people remember what to do. So there are three things, realign and renounce and reclaim. The pro this is the process of uh, breaking through the lies and going into the truth and living a different life. And so realignment means to submit to God, to confess. And that was a part of the early church. Confession was normal. So we confess. Many people only want to confess to God, and I understand that, but it helps to confess to someone you trust, to forgive. Unforgiveness is the biggest key to um, not getting free. And then repentance. Let me go back to forgiveness. Forgiveness is not about condoning what someone did to you, what they, how they harmed you. Forgiveness is letting God be the one who judge, judges them. Let God be the one that deals with their heart. Instead, if we have unforgiveness, we are imprisoning ourselves. Forgiveness, repentance of judgment, repentance of agreeing with the lie, repentance of um, not believing God. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then we move on to renounce the lie. Whatever the lie is, you can almost guarantee that God's truth is the opposite. If I say I am unworthy or I believe I am unworthy and that's how I live my life, God has already said that I'm worthy. I've got to learn what that means. So, And so we renounce the lies. We often ask, when did that first happen? We ask God to help us know when did that first happen? And we want to dig it up from the root, not all of the behaviors following, which we may deal with, but the root, the very first time I had an experience that said, Candy, you're unworthy. You're not good enough. Um, and when we renounce, again, we'll forgive. We repent of the people involved and we choose. We have to choose to believe the truth and receive our own forgiveness, our own cleansing and healing. And then to reclaim is to renew our minds in Christ Jesus. According to Romans 12, it says, don't be transformed. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And renewal of the mind means to retrain your brain. People want to just receive forgiveness and I'm all done. But it's actually doing the work of learning to take authority over your thoughts, take captive your thoughts and align them with God. That's good. So you said realign, renounce and reclaim? Yes. Realign, renounce, and reclaim to bring freedom, to start yes. the process for freedom, for yes. healing in our heart. And would you say this is the starting point for the inner healing process? That is the starting point. First of all, you've got to realign. You've got to recognize I have a problem. It's not everybody else. I do have a problem and I want freedom here. That's so good. Realign, renounce, and reclaim. 
What would you like to share as your closing thoughts or prayer for those who may be listening? I want to um, encourage people that it's worth the journey. A lot of times we're afraid to go in the deep places of our heart. But, you know, scripture says deep calls to deep. And I know that um, it was scary for me in the beginning, but it is worth it all. I'm a new person. I know Yvonne has gone through similar a similar journey, and she's a different person. And you can be the person you want to be, who you think God has created you to be, if you surrender and trust Him in the process. And so I, I want to pray uh, that over you, for courage to uh, believe that there is hope for more because there is. So in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, and release your truth and your power, the power of your love, that you don't go to harm us. You don't go deep to harm us. You don't do surgery in our hearts to harm us, but you want to set us free because you already know that we're, we are born to be victorious, born to live out of wholeness, out of love and the power of your love and truth. And so I speak to everyone today that I release boldness in the name of Jesus to you, courage in the name of Jesus, to look beyond others, to say, Lord, let's have a heart to heart and let's get going on this. I have things to do. I have a life to live that's going to be beautiful and free. So I bless you all with the courage and the faith to step out and deal with some of these issues that have been coming up in your life. In the name of Jesus, always in his beautiful name and in his beautiful love. Amen. Amen. That is so beautiful. So well needed in these times of so much contention and strife and offense and so many things um, that the process it starts with us and the healing that needs to take uh, transpire within our heart. Thank you so much for being a part of Live Exceptionally. These are certainly nuggets to help us all live exceptionally in balance, in freedom, and in the rest of God. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ron. It's been my honor to be here. A plus. But there you have it. Realign, renounce, and reclaim in order to start the process of healing for issues of your heart. That's all the time that we have for this week's episode. Tune in next week for another episode of Live Exceptionally. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share with others on YouTube or your preferred podcast platform. Stay connected with us at elisi.org and have an exceptional week. Thanks for joining us for Live Exceptionally with Dr. Yvonne Thompson. Each week, we'll explore the secrets to living a life that is both intentional and fulfilling. We'll talk to folks that will share about productivity, mindfulness, and self-care to learn practical tips and strategies for staying focused, managing our time, and finding balance within a kingdom mindset. We'll also hear from people who have made the choice to live exceptionally and learn from their experiences and insights. Connect with Dr. Yvonne by signing up at elici.org. That's E-L-I-C-I dot org. Until next time, we're praying that you find balance and rest so you can live exceptionally.